of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. He had killed a man. He tried to justify it, extenuating circumstances. The man was a bully, an anti-Semite and a racist. He deserved to die, kind of. But any way you slice it, it was murder. Not cold-blooded, calculated, but in the heat of the moment. A rush of blood, the red mist. Anyway, the man was dead. And Moses had killed him. One more spadeful of sand, the body would be concealed, and it was time to run. Time to get lost in the featureless desert. Well, at least no one had seen him. David had wanted her from the moment he saw her. Bathing on the roof, unashamed, proud of her smooth, taut, magnificent body, glistening wet in the hot, hot sun. He felt a tug of desire that became a plan, that became a deed. And then the whole sordid avalanche of wickedness that eventually came crashing down on him. Lust, desire, adultery, judicial killing. The story unfolded, the ugliness unraveled. The whole nine yards of actions and consequences, secrets and lies, guilt and shame... He could write all the hit songs he wanted. He could win all the battles he chose. But he was still David the adulterer. David the killer. David the lie. Hosea's wife knew that her husband had given her a chance. Saved her from a life of prostitution and objectification being treated like a thing by men who only wanted to use her. He had loved her and won her and worked with her, shown her that she was better than that, worth something better than the old life. And he brought sunlight into her darkness, helped her to believe in herself again, believe in her own worth, her grandeur in the eyes of God. So why did she go back? Why did she go back to being a whore? 
Why does she betray his belief in her? That demi-monde that had been her life before dragged her down and seduced her and she went back there to the old life. And through Hosea's love, right back in his face, shamed him by her lust, broke his heart. Hosea the prophet with the nympho wife, they said. Hosea become a laughingstock. And she had done this to him, and he would never take her back now, surely. It made no sense. He had one son, reliable, solid, never a day's trouble, keeping the rules, doing the right thing, a bit uptight and confident in his own rectitude, but basically a good lad, sound as a pound. The other... A waste of space. Give me my share now, Father. What a selfish little... And the stories that came back of whores and false friends and wasted money and wasted time, wasted life. Thought he was so smart and he was just a self-centered little fool. Bringing shame and embarrassment all the way home. People talked, people smiled behind their hands. Stupid old man, better off without the little shyster. If he ever dares show his face here again, you just tell him to get lost. Tell him you have a son who knows how to be a son. You've never heard, you've never heard a saint swear. So you've heard Peter say how blankety-blank, you never blankety-blank knew any blankety-blank called Jesus. So why don't you just blankety-blank leave me alone? You'd have to think that kind of denial, that distancing was fatal to any connection with the man called Jesus. All Peter would have left after that foul-mouthed tirade with the tattered, grubby memories of his absolute failure to be a friend, his shameful betrayal of a friendship that once seemed so special, so life-enriching. You'd think that to the one he had called Master and Lord, there could be no way back after that. It had all been too much for... Mark, he was young, he was frightened, and the sheer intensity of the mission to which Paul invited him, the single-mindedness of the vision you needed to stay on board was, was too big an ask for him. He was homesick, he was scared, and enough was enough. Just let me go home, Paul. The apostle Paul is disappointed in Mark. He had such hopes for him, and Mark had failed, and so that was it for Paul. No half-measures, no half-heartedness. The mission was too vital. No passengers, no place for quitters in the early church, and Mark was a quitter. No use to me, says Paul. Had his chance, blew it. Augustine loved life rather too much. 
He drank deep at the well of appetite. Excess was normal for him. He lived a privileged life and he loved every minute of it. Like a playboy in London, he sought pleasures and satisfactions wherever they could be found. Asked no questions. Saw no need of a bigger picture. Like the very caricature of a rock star. He sucked long and hard at the pleasures of the flesh, never thinking it was shallow, never thinking there were important truths to be explored out there. Augustine loved the life he lived, never caring, not even noticing. It was taking him nowhere, making him nothing. Nicky Cruz was handsome. But even his handsome face seemed twisted and ugly by hatred. Gang warfare filled his heart with anger, prejudice and violence. The people he wanted to hurt were nothing to him. And the gang he ran with gave him some sense of comradeship. But it was a twisted, corrupted expression of friendship. A a bastardized version of brotherhood. When he heard the preacher talk about being loved by God it was a joke it wasn't about him, Nicky Cruz the gang leader who strutted and postured and had a heart full of rage and loathing and despair, it wasn't about him was it? the General Assembly of 1984 had a decision to make a big decision what kind of church were we? And what kind of God did we believe in? James Nelson had murdered his mother and was serving a life sentence in a Scottish prison. While a prisoner, he had come to faith, God had found him, he had found God, and he believed with all his heart that he was called to be a minister of the gospel in the Church of Scotland. Quite a turnaround. And the challenge facing the General Assembly that year was to decide whether it was appropriate, fitting, or sent out the wrong signals for the church to allow, indeed encourage, someone who had acted in such a heinous way to be a minister of the gospel, allowed to administer the sacraments, take school assemblies, visit old ladies at home, all of that stuff. At stake in the debate was the nature of the church, the meaning of new beginnings, the reality of forgiveness, our understanding of the heart of the God we believed in and proclaimed. A man who'd beaten his mother to death with a brick, a minister of the kirk. When the decision of the General Assembly was announced, overwhelmingly in support of James Nelson's call to ministry, and the church's support for him in that ministry, the tears were streaming down my face because this was the gospel I believed in and the God of second chances I was happy to serve and proclaim. Not least because we all need second chances. Perhaps not in the same dramatic context as Moses and David and Hosea's wife and the Apostle Peter or Mark or Nicky Cruz or James Nelson, but we are all prodigal sons and daughters who make mistakes and wander away and say and do harsh, unloving things. And if God were the God who wrote off failures, 
whose hard heart was narrow and whose grace and mercy were limited and rationed, we would have no good news to celebrate and no song to sing. Moses, the murderer, who becomes the moral heart and inspiration of a nation. David, the adulterer, plotter and liar, writes of the searing forgiveness he finds in the heart of God, mercy undeserved but overpowering. Hosea's wife, whose experience of being welcomed home again and again and again is a faint echo of the patience and the unending grace of God who deals with his errant people, Israel, with a compassion and a faithfulness they seem signally incapable of demonstrating themselves. Peter, the foul-mouthed abject failure, becomes by the power and grace of God a great leader, a formidable champion of the gospel, a martyr for the Christ he serves unto death. They all tell us something about the God who deals with us with such a big heart. Mark, Mark the washout, is embraced by Barnabas, restored to service of the gospel, so that Paul, in humility, years later, can write from his prison cell, Send Mark to me. He is a great support. Who would have thought? The angry heart of Nicky Cruz, softened and cleansed by the love of God, filling his life so that he can preach a God of second chances to all the people who thought they had no chance. James Nelson, who served faithfully as a minister in central Scotland until his death, we may not feel that we're quite in their league of dramatic conversion or redemption, that somehow our derelictions are small scale by comparison. But I'm sure we wouldn't have to look very far to uncover the dark shadows that fall across our story, the harsh verdict we pass on people, the missed opportunity to show compassion, the prioritising of ourselves over others, the calls not heeded, the silence is kept, the list is long. The truth is we need a God who gives us another chance, who sees better than we can who we are and what we can be, and who never gives us up to our inadequacies. A God who loves us with a love that will not let us go. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.